everyone. This is Sarah McFarland from Inside Scientific, the online environment for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content that helps you do your best work. Today's episode of Expert Answers features Dr. Guto Montezano from McGill University Health Center, who recently joined us for the third webinar in the Cardiovascular Connection series, a joint webinar series brought to you by Inside Scientific, the American Physiological Society, and the European Council for Cardiovascular Research. His presentation discussed his research that investigates the role of endothelial inflammation and ACE2 biology in COVID-19 infections and the resulting long-term effects. Let's dive in. The first question here is, endothelial cells are also important in the regulation of vascular tone and vascular smooth muscle cell biology. Do you have any data on how the S1 protein may be inducing deleterious effects on other vascular cells like vascular smooth muscle cells? Yeah, so so that's like an interesting uh, question because uh, the effects of SARS-CoV-2 with the virus is not only in the thelial cells. We study in the thelial cells at first because it is the first barrier of it. But did look at some other cells and uh, we concentrated vascular smooth muscle cells and did a little bit of work in fibroblast as well. That's because there are some studies that start to show that during COVID, you have changes in vascular tone and leading to more contraction or vasoconstriction and less endothelial dysfunction, meaning like less relaxation. So what we see in vascular smooth muscle cells is that like uh, the recombinant SM protein is seems to be increasing rho kinase activity, increases not only the activity, but also the expression of rho gaps, which are very important to the uh, regulation of rho, rho A, rho kinase in vascular smooth muscle cells. And I can see in the chat here that Ilaria uh, is here with us. And it's good that she's here because uh, she spent some time in our lab and she started to see that when you expose vascular smooth muscle cells to recombinant S1 protein, the effects in calcium influx are exacerbated. And these are all vascular smooth muscle cells that we got from facial arteries, like their surplus vessels from maximum uh, buccal facial reconstruction surgeries. And then, yeah, so basically what we see here is there is an increasing molecular mechanism of contraction. But we also start to see that maybe the phenotype of this vascular smooth muscle cells is also uh, changed where we may have a more pro-inflammatory, pro-fibrotic phenotype. And that's what we are at the moment in related to, uh, to that aspect. So you may have changes that contribute to contraction and changes that contribute to more inflammation and fibrosis. Okay, fantastic. So since you mentioned Ilaria, I'll read her question next. So first it says, thank you, Guto, for your clear and interesting talk. And then her question is, in COVID-19 patients, some articles reported a bradykinin storm. Moreover, bradykinin plays a pro-inflammatory role other than acting as a vasodilator. Do you have any information about the involvement of bradykinin or an eventual crosstalk between ACE2 and BK or bradykinin in your cell model? Yeah, Eli, like that's a great question because ACE2 or bradykinin will be affected if you have changes in, uh, in some components of the RAS system as well. So like those two systems are kind of like hand-to-hand and they kind of like have like interconnections. But 
to answer your question, honestly, like, no, we didn't look at any things related to bradykinin. That's an interesting concept because we may see a potentiation or interaction between systems. That's something that we would be interested in, but not only with bradykinin, but other systems that regulate endothelial cell inflammation and vascular function. Yeah, but the short answer for you, Larry, is that like, no, we didn't look at anything related to BK yet. Okay. Fantastic. All right. The next question here is, when you studied ACE2 expression with the Western blot, was it at the cell surface or were you using whole cell lysate? Yeah. So so that's like an interesting question. So we've done the whole cell uh, lysate and we used then also like in the microparticles, which is pretty much like something from the cell membrane. We were able to identify both types, I guess like the question may be leading to that. So like we're able to identify the short form of a version of ACE2, but also like the, the long, the normal uh, ACE2. It would be interesting to look at different compartments expression of ACE2 to try to dissect whether uh, there is a changes in the transition or movement of ACE2, but we didn't, we didn't do those experiments yet. Another question here, does RS1P affect the PDGF, which I believe is the platelet-derived growth factors, expression, or release from endothelial cells? Yeah, so there is some uh, studies showing the relationship between SARS-CoV-2 and recombinant SM protein with growth factors. We didn't look at that. We wanted to uh, to do some uh, ELISAs and some experiments looking at it, but we didn't complete those experiments. So I, I don't know if it's changing or not. It could change it. So the only, no, the, but there is one that we saw was TGF beta and we didn't see differences. Okay, great. Hopefully that answered your question. Another question here, they're asking if you use pulmonary arterial endothelial cells. Yeah, so we used four different endothelial cells. We use not only the microvasculars, microvascular, but also use the lymphatic endothelial cells, aortic and pulmonary endothelial cells. Okay, perfect. Another question here. First, it starts with beautiful presentation. Thank you. And the question is, did you measure interleukin-18 or IL-18 since it's been shown to be involved in inflammation in, in, in endothelial cells and is released by an inflammasome along with IL-1 beta in the endothelium? Yes. So we looked at uh, IL-1 beta and that's increased. IL-18, we didn't see any, uh, any changes. I just need to confirm quickly. Yeah, so we've done uh, a multiplex uh, because we had like another study going at the same time. So I was able to put some uh, samples in and we didn't see differences in IO18. Okay, next question here. Do you have any vascular function data showing endothelial dysfunction in rodents? Yeah, so no. So that's like the next step that we like to take this project to. So we like to test all this in like in the ACE2 uh, knock-in models and then test the vascular physiology effects, let's say. So the only thing that we've done in collaboration with just a completely different study that hopefully is going to be published soon was in, co- in uh, gluteal arteries, Arter- like resistance arteries extract from gluteal biopsies. And that was like Professor Colin Berry's uh, study back in Glasgow. And he, we start to play a little bit with uh, this paradigm of COVID-19 inducing changes in vascular function. But that's ex- 
that's what we contributed to in that study. But in our study, we still need to do those physio like vascular function studies. Okay, so some in vivo work is in your future. Yes. Oh, Sarah, just to, to add, Francisco Rios is one of our collaborators as well. So he was looking at interferon gamma or interferon's response, and then he starts to see some changes in the vasculature that may be related to COVID-19. Okay, very cool. All right, another question here. I'm very interested to know if you have any insight on the potential role of ACE2 or endothelial dysfunction in long COVID symptoms. Yeah, so that's an interesting question. I don't know. The problem with our studies, like we start to show that there is a role for ACE2 that's independent on uh, enzymatic function, right? But I don't know how chronic that change will be. So we still need to do, I think like the in vivo studies will let us answer that question better. I think like on that scenario, we need to sort of like dissect what's this receptor-like function will lead to changes in the vasculature versus how that reflects on ACE2 activity by changing the RAS system. So I think like, I guess like the my insights that this would be a little bit more complex that we still, I still don't know exactly how that would play a role in long COVID without doing like an in vivo or a more vascular physiology, a better vascular physiology studies. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, that's in your future soon, hopefully. <laughs> okay. Uh, we have another question here. Would you expect differences in cells with the ACE2GG genotype, which has been related to severity or changing severity of COVID-19? Yes. Any changes in ACE2 expression may impact what we, what we are saying. And, and the reason behind that is because the, what we show here is that ACE2 may be seeding, how can I say, in a signaling hub which we think that may be like lipid rafts or cavioli and so on. So if you change that anything related to expression or localization of ACE2, you may impact that. And that's like, uh, and that's what we are, we're thinking. I hope like that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, she clarified that it's a polymorphism and ACE2 is overexpressed. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, so thank you. Thank you, Marisol. I just had like a, that. <laughs> Black moment. <laughs> yeah, so I think like, as I was saying, like, we need to look right in models where we have like overexpression, because we don't know, that may amplify the signal, right? So it depends if the overexpression is going to be a, is a localized overexpression, or it's like throughout the cell membrane, is that going to induce like new interactions that we, we don't know. So I think there's so much that can be changed by that phenotype that yes, it may have a uh, exacerbation of this effect. But then again, that's something that has to be tested. Yeah, definitely. Okay, we've got another question here. Have any of these studies been re-examined with recombinant spike proteins from any of the other variants? Yeah, no, not yet. So like, uh, and that's like a, a, a good question. And especially because there's a recent paper that just came out suggesting that uh, ACE2 inhibition, no, not ACE2 inhibition, but ACE2 treatment as a decoy receptor for SARS-CoV-2 is too uh, effective in uh, Omicron and the other variants. And so that suggests that those variants are still able to bind to ACE2. 
But with all the changes in the spike protein, it would be interesting to know if it's like makes this activation more like better or less. So this because we have changes in inflammation. So basically the short answer is like no, but it's very interesting. You're looking forward to do that. Yeah, excellent. So many future studies. This next question is, did you mark your microparticles to know if they're exosomes or extracellular vesicles? Yeah, so no, we just did like the, the nanocyte experiments where we were able to separate by size. So the only, the only uh, quantification that we've done was the different them by size. But we, we wanted to uh, look at different markers like using flow cytometry to see like where to see what's the components and and have like a better characterization of that population of microparticles. Okay, great. Another question here. Thank you for the interesting talk. Do you check ENOS? I think this is SEER 1177 phosphorylation for phosphorylations at that site or any other sites? Yeah, so the one we've looked at uh, Serine 1177, which is the activation site, and we didn't see differences. We also looked at the Serine uh, 3 and then 495, which is the inactivation site, and also like no differences. And then since we didn't see differences of both, we didn't measure nature oxide. So we pretty much like stopped uh, the studies uh, there. Okay, great. And how did you measure ROS in this study? So we've done uh, the lucigenin chemiluminescence just to give like a quick readout of general ROS and see if there is something happening. And we didn't see differences. We also uh, used Amplex Red to have a look at H2O2 and we didn't see differences. But for those studies, we only done at like the short term because we're thinking of ROS would be more like a signaling pro like signaling mechanism, but we still need to repeat those experiments in longer term because ROS can be cyclic and then uh, I would like to confirm that, right? And because it can be cyclic and can be like the increase can be a little slower depending on the situation, we need to look at time a bit a longer time points as like the 24 hours when you see the increase in uh, pro-inflammatory molecules. Would I think that we would, that would make a difference? Mostly not because we didn't see usually changes in ROS will change at least some of the expression of the antioxidant panels that we look into it or nerve two as well. And we didn't see changes on that, but I still would like to do those experiments just to make sure. Mm -hmm. Definitely. All right. Another question here. Is there any work being done to target ACE2 activity as a therapeutic target for COVID-19? So there, there are like a few studies uh, suggesting that if you push the system to ACE2 activity leading to seven production and actions, it's protective against like inflammation. And those studies, I think like right now, like they're still in their infancy. And it's based on the premise that angiotensin 2 levels may be increased during COVID because of the, the lack or the decrease in ACE2 activity. So I just mentioned the other study that's using ACE2, but more like a soluble ACE2 uh, as a decoy receptor for SARS-CoV-2. Okay, great. Another question here related to the methods a bit. The cells that you used, were they commercial human microvascular endothelial cells? Yes. So because we, during COVID, we had lab closures and we couldn't continue with like our extractions. So we had to go for like commercial cells. So those are primary cultures, but from commercial sources for all of them. 
apart from the vasculars both muscle cells. Great. Do you think microparticle shedding is a cellular protective effect against infection? And what is triggering the microparticle production? All right. The first part, like if it's a cellular protective effect, I think it can be because you're removing ACE2 from this, like, say, signaling hub. So it can be like a way that your cells are trying to remove that signaling component or that additional effect of ACE2 or the additional fun- uh, pro-inflammatory function of ACE2. Now, does it become long-term protective? I don't know because that I think for sure will impact the activity or the importance of ACE2 in breaking down angiotensin 1 to 7. So this is why that was my comment for the long COVID. Like, I think like this, we need to understand better, right? Like this uh, enzymatic versus non-enzymatic function to understand what would be beneficial deleterious in the long term. So yes, I, th- I think it could be a protective effect, like to remove the ACE2 from the that signaling habit from the picture and stop these pro-inflammatory actions. And now what is triggering microparticles production? So there are a few proteins, signaling proteins, but when we've done our proteomics and we start to see that a few of these proteins are cytoskeleton, but also like adapter proteins in the cell membrane that can activate enzymes that will cleave proteins and then may participate in microparticles. And in another set of studies, what we start to see is that ADN17 may play a role on this. So these effects of ACE, uh, these effects of recombinant S1 protein could be also being inhibited by uh, ADN17 inhibition. So one of the possible mechanisms that I would say is ADN17 activity plus a few other proteins that we see in the proteomics studies. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Uh, can you give an overview on your thoughts on blood pressure medications that work on ACE as they may relate to their potential value in treating acute and chronic COVID-19? Yes. So that's a very good and interesting question. And there is like a, a lot, the, there's a lot of discussions on whether, you know, ACE, ACE inhibitors would affect or be involved in COVID-19 or the treatment of COVID-19 or even like increase the side of the bad effects of COVID-19. There are studies in animal models that show that inhibition of ACE leads to upregulation of ACE2 and production of angiotensin 1 to 7. And that's like thought to be one of the mechanisms whereby this treatment leads to cardiovascular protection. So I don't think like, so my short answer here is that I think like the, I wouldn't stop like, I'm not a physician or anything, but like, please don't take this. The re- our results are something to say that people should stop taking their ACE inhibitors because they're going to have side effects. I think like for us to start understanding what's this relationship, like uh, we first need to confirm that in humans, ACE inhibitors lead to ACE2 upregulation. That's because, as I said, all these studies were done in animal models. We still have like a lot to do in terms of human studies to confirm that. And my other thing is we need to better understand what is this relationship or what is this other function of ACE2 in the vasculature. And if that overcomes or has an impact in the in ACE2 enzymatic function, because I say that because I think the receptor-like domain, it is, although we show here that it's very pro-inflammatory, I think there's much more complexity to it 
because when you look at our proteomics data, there's also some proteins there that are protective or may have protective effects. So I think like it depends on the, it may depends on the stimulus, it may depend on many other aspects that we need to understand better before assuming that there would be a mechanism where ACE inhibition and increasing ACE2 expression would lead to more deleterious effects. But so far, I would say it's still protective and that ACE inhibition seems to have good effects in the vasculature or in the cardiovascular system due to increased activity of ACE2. hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you'll tune in to future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work, offer tips, tricks, and best practices, but most of all, share science. Don't forget to subscribe.